0: behavior. What can be done? Um, I don't want this to be a lesson in semantics or an explanation of the very challenging language that we use, but uh, I should acknowledge from the off that when it comes to behaviour, there are lots of thoughts out there. Challenging behaviour. I'm thinking today about any kind of behaviour that challenges us, challenges our child, or makes it more difficult for them to engage with the things that help them to thrive. So we might be thinking about kicking, biting, screaming, self-harm, wetting, lying, you name it, any kind of behavior that we're seeing repeatedly that we or our child are looking to change the pattern of is the sort of behavior that we're looking for here. We're not looking to completely override our child's natural instincts and to change them irrevocably. We're trying to understand Why are we seeing this behaviour and what might feel better for our child? So that's the basic background here. And we're going to think today about a very simple model that I use. And you can download um, uh, my guide on challenging behaviour, which has got a kind of form you can fill out for your child looking at this, um, which is using the recognise, replace, reduce and reflect cycle Um, all the alliteration because, well, if you've ever worked with me before, you'll know it's kind of a thing. So we're going to recognise, we're going to replace, we're going to reduce, and then we're going to reflect. So when we're thinking about addressing a challenging behaviour, the first thing we've got to do before we're trying to do anything to kind of impact on it, change it, stop it, do something different, is to actually recognise What is going on? So we've got to identify, first of all, what the actual behaviour is that we would like to change or that our child would like to change. And not just recognise what the behaviour is. You've probably got a pretty good idea. My child keeps on hitting people. OK, maybe that's the thing. But then what we've got to do is recognise what need is that meeting for your child. If a child is repeatedly carrying out a behaviour, there's usually a reason of some kind. So we need to try and work out what that reason is. Now, there's a whole ton of different reasons that a child might be behaving in a way that is challenging to us or to them. And unless we're able to try and pick apart why then it's really, really challenging for us to try and replace that behaviour and do something different. So we've got to first become detectives and try and understand what's going on for that child. So some of the common reasons that we might see for challenging or distressing behaviour within uh, children are a need for attention. So uh, kind of challenging behaviour, distressing behaviour tends to be a really surefire way of getting some attention from the people around us so this might be a child who is in need of attention Um, again we try and move away from the language of attention seeking and think about perhaps a child who is attention needing or attachment seeking so a child who really needs to connect with an adult and there's a whole range of different reasons why that might happen but what's unarguable is that Challenging behaviour can be a great way to engage the adults around you as a child and if you don't have the right language or you've not found other ways of getting that attention, it's probably the most effective tool you have. Other reasons that we might see this distressing behaviour, they can be a response to basic needs not having been met. We might have a child who is just generally emotionally dysregulated because they um, haven't had enough to eat, haven't had enough to drink um, and perhaps need that. Sometimes those needs do become met after we've seen the challenging behavior. And so the challenging behavior gets rewarded with that basic need being met. If it's when they kick off that, then we look at, right, what would help here? Do they need a drink? Do they need a snack? Um, You know, how do we meet those those basic needs of them? Um, We need to think about how we would preempt that instead, or how they can ask for those things differently or recognize the need sooner. Some of our kids Don't realise when they need to eat, when they need to drink and can become emotionally dysregulated, uh, not because of anything other than they just don't pick up on those cues Uh, and hands up as an adult. Who's rubbish at that as well? I don't tend to feel hunger and that can make it a bit tricky. I can get hangry without realising why. So it's not just kids effects. Another thing that can be a common reason for distressing behaviour is a child looking to escape. So it might be that within the room, within the situation that they're at at the moment, it might be a face, a space, a situation, something that's triggering a memory, which is evoking fear. And they've gone into that flight response for some reason. And so they just using that behavior to get away because quite often what happens when we see this challenging behavior is that we're removed or indeed the challenging behavior itself might be flight it might be that you've got a child who's a bit of a runner tends to run away from things and get themselves to somewhere that perhaps they perceive as safe but might be challenging for the adults around them who see this as unsafe because they don't know where that child is or what they're doing and it's falling outside the realms of what they have kind of put in place to manage Another common reason for stressing behavior is sensory regulation. Um, We may have a child who is completely overwhelmed by this situation and needs to find a place of calm. One of the common things that will happen in response to difficult behaviour is that a child will be removed and often they'll be removed to somewhere really, really quiet in every sense of the word a beige room where it's not noisy there's not a lot of kind of uh, sensory noise going on for our eyes, for our ears, for anything Um, and and that can feel really good if you're overwhelmed and you need a bit of calm so again that can act as a reward to that challenging behaviour I throw the pen pot across the room then I get taken to the internal exclusion room and it's calm and that's good Um, it can also simply be for some children a way of being heard behavior can be a very effective form of communication particularly if we don't have other better needs or no one was listening when we tried other things. Um, In particular, anger really, really needs to be communicated, really, really needs to be heard. And so we might find that that communication may come in the form of distressing behaviour from our child. So there are other reasons too, and I'm sure you can think of some, but the point is to understand that there's a very wide range of different reasons why we might see behaviour that distresses our child, that distresses us or distresses others around them and um, that we might feel needs addressing but we can't begin to address it unless we understand a little bit more about the why so the first thing we ought to do is, is recognize well what's going on for the child what need is this behavior meeting so we're going to do that by getting curious rather than furious one of my favorite phrases pinched from i'm not sure whom one of you might comment on twitter or somewhere and tell me it's probably uh dan seagull or one of those wonderful wonderful people who've done all this research but curious not furious um we're going to be wondering why we're going to be wondering why at time to come and and, and look back at that behavior and think wonder what need that did meet we're going to look for patterns we might find it helpful to keep a behavior journal and in the guide that I will link to that you can download there again is a very simple template for keeping a behavior journal which is really just about noticing behavior over time what happened when did it happen who was the child with where were they and what happened next because that will often help us to understand what's reinforcing that behavior So we're looking for patterns. We're getting really curious and noticing this keeps happening again and again, but when and and why and and what's going on? Another thing we can do to try and understand what's going on is talk to all the relevant adults in a child's life. Talk to home, talk to school, talk to other adults who've got to know that child. Are they seeing this behaviour too? When are they seeing it? How are they responding? How does the child respond to that? What's going on? And of course, crucially, we're going to talk to the child and talk to does not always mean talk to some of you listening will have a child who is non-verbal or who has other preferred means of communication we are going to communicate with our child in the way that works best for them at times of calm we're going to get curious so what happened then and how did that feel and what what did it feel like afterwards and what might be better than that and how can we help you get really curious talk to the child they might not have the insight to explain what's going on but the more that we kind of explore non-judgmentally and they realize we're not angry we're, we're curious we just want to help them with this The more that they might begin to open up and explore some of this and again we can do this through play we can do this through art we can do this through music we might walk and talk all the different ways but we want to communicate with our child if we can to try and think What's going on here for you? Because when we think about challenging behavior, one of the reasons the language is a bit controversial is because we think of it as challenging to the adults. And that's, that's you know, part of the story. But actually, this isn't about changing the child because they're not convenient to the adults around them. This is about understanding that if we've got a child where we're seeing behavior that's so significant that we kind of want to change it, there's something pretty horrible going on for that child. That most certainly does not feel good for them. Something is not okay. And we want to understand what's going on in that little human brain of theirs and get them as a person and try and think, how could we make the world feel just a little bit different for you so this doesn't need to happen? So we really want to try to communicate with them so we 're going to recognize the behavior that's step one in our four Rs recognize it 's the most important step from there once you 've understood what 's going on when and a bit of an idea about what need it 's meeting we are in a hundred percent better place to move on and think about how we address this behavior so the second r is about replace so this is thinking right well I think that I've understood that the need that I'm seeing here is that my child really needs to uh, find a space of sensory regulation and what happens every time they kick off is they get removed and they go somewhere calm things come back to calm they're able to get back within their window of tolerance and everything feels good for a while until things bubble up and then we see the next episode of challenging behavior. So then we'd be saying well how else might this need be met and for this child we'd be thinking about how do we help them to emotionally regulate. Can we give them breaks where they go to a calmer space where they're able to get back on top of that emotional regulation get to a place of calm without needing the trigger of that challenging behaviour instead. Now the best way to think about how to replace the behaviour how else that need might be met is to get different people involved primarily your child, brainstorm with your child and maybe as a team around your child if that doesn't feel too scary. So with all the various adults who love and care for this child, you might think together about what else might help here. But the key thing is where possible, we want the voice of the child at the heart of this. We want your kid to be able to speak up and say, this might work for me. I think that might be worth trying. When we don't do that, then sometimes we will put in place suggestions that a child can't really get on board with, that they can't imagine how to do, or that don't feel like they'll meet their need. So we want to brainstorm with our child and think of as many different ideas as we can. This is the time when there's no bad idea. We're just going to think of a hundred different things that might work here. And then we're going to think about which ones to try first, which ones feel like they might succeed. And none of these ideas will work really brilliantly or right away because your child, if you've been seeing this behavior again and again and again, it's been habit forming and they've repeated it because it works. It works in some way, not in a way that they can probably intellectualize or verbalize, but there's something that's kept reinforcing that behavior. And so it's going to take a moment for a different behavior to have that same impact because the first one's been kind of practiced, repeated, embedded. But we're gonna we're gonna try and find some alternatives. We're gonna think about, okay, what might work instead? Then we're gonna move on to our next art of reducing. And this is about thinking, right, right now we're seeing twenty of these incidents every week. Can we set a little goal that feels you know, doable, that your child goes, yeah, I reckon I can do that. It's such a little goal that it feels manageable and that we feel would be possible too. So we're all in it thinking, yeah, we can do this. We want achievable goals um, to reduce that behaviour. So we've seen 20 incidents. Maybe this is the week when we have 19, or maybe this is the week when um, we're able to um, not necessarily reduce the number of the incidents, but we're able to reduce them uh, escalating so much and that we're going to use some of these alternatives and, and, and tap into them as the behavior starts to happen in order to sort of scale down how uh, challenging those situations become. But we're going to set a small achievable goal for trying to reduce. So we need to know where we're at. We need to know what our baseline is. And we've done that through our recognizing our behavior journaling so that we can try and make a goal about things moving on just a little bit can we on one of those occasions when you begin to feel this behavior is going to happen can we try the other thing instead and we might try the other thing instead and it might not work and we might revert to number one we learned something then and that's okay but let's set some small teeny tiny tiny goals that your child can get on board with about trying to reduce this discuss this explore this with your child at a time of calm almost certainly they would like this behavior to change too so it's about stepping into their shoes framing this in their language and using their motivation saying you know it would be nice wouldn't it if you were able to really carry on with art because you really love it but every now and then you get overwhelmed in those lessons and so let's think together about what we can do so that you can try to enjoy a bit more of that lesson so small achievable goals And then our final R, so we've recognised, we've replaced, we've set some goals around reducing. And finally, we're going to think about reflecting. This is crucial because we've just got to keep learning. You're not going to undo a difficult behaviour in one hit. It's just not going to happen. If it does happen, contact me, tell me the magic recipe and uh, we'll, we'll make our millions. No. It's not going to happen. And that's okay. What we want to do then, we want to reflect. Um, we want to revisit what's going on. We want to explore what's what things are feeling like for the child. Maybe keep that behaviour journal going. Recognise the good times. Recognise the more challenging times. And explore what's going well that we can do more of. And what's still challenging that we might be continuing to want to address. We always do this reflection at times of calm. Those moments uh, soon after. Um, or even sometimes for some children quite a long time after these behavioural incidents are times when their brain is not in a place for talking, not in a place for thinking. Their brain is in total overwhelm. We're not going to get good problem solving, good conversation at those times. So at times of calm, when things are relatively calm and happy, we're going to sit down with our child in a calm space, in a really like non-judgmental uh, kind of judgmental way, in a curious, not furious kind of way. And we're going to explore how things are going we're going to celebrate every tiny success we're going to notice those moments when they work really hard and they got it right or even a little bit right or just slightly towards right we're going to recognize those successes and we're going to say well done and we're going to learn from the moments that went less well where things were more challenging okay so we've got some more work to do here haven't we what might we be able to do to change how that feels for you what might be able to we be able to do differently um next time the key thing is we've just got to keep on learning it's going to take a while and the more that we communicate with our child the more that we notice the more that we're really really curious and detective like the more that we and our child and the other adults who care for them are going to be able to get to grips with what actually is going on here and how might that begin to change I want to finish before I sign off just with a little note on when things go wrong. When we are caring for, loving, working with, supporting a child whose behavior is challenging, things will go wrong. There'll be moments when it all blows up and we will feel like we have not dealt with this situation as we would like. And there might be kind of guilt, shame, worry, upset, distress, anger on our part or where our child feels upset or distressed at themselves because they're trying to change his behavior and they might feel that they failed. So what we need to do when these things go wrong is actually just to remember that every time this happens is a learning moment. And so instead of all that emotional energy that can be wasted on guilt, shame, anger, distress, upset, and you know, I, I can't rewire brains over the internet so I can't instantly fix that for you but let's try and take a different approach which is okay let's take that emotional energy and instead use it to fuel our curiosity use it to think about well why did that happen what went what went wrong there and what can we possibly learn from that and at times of calm exploring those tricky moments they're the moments that we really really learn from the moments which are most awful are often the moments which make us go, ah. Okay, the trigger was this. What happened next was this. What might help next time is this. So use them as learning moments. Try not to beat yourself up about them. It is such a waste of energy. Wherever we can We should be looking forwards rather than back. And yes, that's incredibly easy to say when you've had these moments, particularly as a parent or carer who deeply loves your child and who might be so, so sweet in every other moment. And every now and then you see this other part of them that trips all your emotional switches and you turn into this monster that you don't recognize. It's horrible. And we can spend time beating ourselves up about it or... We get curious about actually what's going on here so we can try to change things both for our child and for us in the future. We cannot change the past, but we can forgive ourselves for it and we can look forwards and try to make the next past a different future. I don't know. It feels like there's a really deep quote in there, but I just totally mangled it. Basically, let's look forwards, not back. I hope that there were some helpful ideas in here. There is a guide which you can download which has these ideas summarized in it. It's got a couple of different forms for you. One for the recognize, replace, reduce, reflect that you can print off and fill out with a child. Feel free to adapt it and make it your own. Um, And there's also a print offable behavior journal so we can begin to really notice and get to grips with those behaviours and we might share that with other adults in our child's life as well or they might fill out a version for themselves too. As ever with all my stuff do feel free to share it if it's helpful. Feel free to copy it if you need to um or to just adapt it and make your own versions if you'd like something slightly different good luck this isn't easy it won't be a quick fix but over time with perseverance and curiosity you will see change begin to happen over and out